Nassim, let's start with something very close to both our hearts and our careers, which right now in nearly April 2022 has changed out of all recognition, the UK High Street. What's going to happen or what's gone wrong or where are we with it all? Well, what a question, Tony. I mean, uh, half of me is, is very nostalgic and very sad at, at some of the changes. Um, and half of me, my sort of intellectual, my head tells me yeah. that actually, you know, we needed, we were overshopped in yeah. the UK actually. And, and there was terrible homogenization as we know, and we used to lament it. Yeah. So there did need to be some change and there did need to be some, some sort of consolidation, if you like. Mm but not to the extent that we've we've gone through, I would suggest, you know, and if you talk to people my age, you know, we have a great nostalgia because of course our growing up happened on the high street. Yeah. Our friends were made in, in Miss Selfridge and Topshop changing rooms. It was part of growing up. It was part of your Saturday life to go shopping. I speak to my children now, they have no idea of that concept. It's not something they did or do with yeah. their friends. And it's totally strange to me that that, you know, that should be the case. And they actually don't like shopping. Everything they do is online. So completely different way of thinking, I think. So the high street, yes, it, it's sad, but look, the fittest have survived. You know, yes. it's still fun to go shopping. We still need it, despite all of the kind of, you know, challenges around clothing manufacture and that sort of thing. It's still part of keeping a local town centre, you know, vibrant and fresh um, and compelling. So I think we, we've, we, we've really suffered. I think the high street has suffered at, at losses. I think that poorly run companies, um, you know, that all came home to roost, I would suggest. And, and this sort of owner driver that drives a company into the ground, you know, through scouring of, of profits, it is a shame because labels and brands are bigger than that. And, you know, there's a sadness in, in legacies lost, if you like. So it, it's a weird, it's a weird situation, Tony. And I don't view the high street in the same way. I don't know how you feel. Um, but we mustn't give up hope, though. And, you know, you look at you look at sort of brands like H&M who are redefining themselves and, you know, still coming up with new shop fits and still pushing the boundaries in terms of sustainability where they can, you know, pushing the likes of Primark. Um, so, you know, there's still life in the old, in the old codger yet. Um, <laughs> it's just a question of finding the right tone and helping, I think, people in the way that they shop and the things that they shop for. You know, there's a responsibility for retailers nowadays that perhaps wasn't there so much when we were, you know, in it and in the throes of it. So it's a huge subject and so many people have got so many different views, haven't they? And I always think of Mary Portas and the way she sort of used to talk about high streets. I think what's interesting is that you brought up something that I've always thought about. I was a Saturday girl, was a, a, in, in Jigsaw when I was a student. And I then went on afterwards, I, whenever I needed a job, I went back to Jigsaw to work, whenever I was freelance and didn't have much. And, and I think that, that that was something. But I think 
one of the sad things has become that if we are going into the high street, that the high street shops need to invest more in their staff. Because I think if you are making that effort to go out to the shops, it's got to be more of an experience. So the visual merchandising, etc. It's very interesting here in Palma, we have an H&M in the middle of town and it has um, branded hangers for that specific branch. And it's a real pleasure going into the shop. And it has a coffee stand in the shop downstairs near where the men's department is. And the merchandising is really beautifully done. Um, and the staff clearly take quite a pride in the shop. Now that's, you know, high street level, it's H&M. It isn't, we're going to a fabulous designer boutique. So I think perhaps one of the things is we felt we didn't need to bother that people just came in and bought it. I think that's probably a fair summation. Um, even though we talked about customer service, it wasn't done to the same extent that you're talking about it now. And of course, you know, after the pandemic and with the ease of online shopping, you're absolutely right. That, that personal bit becomes ever more important. You want to ask someone where something is and you want them to be able to tell you yeah. and then tell you what other colors there are or if there's not that thing left, what else you could think about. You want that personal interaction because you can look for yourself online, um, but when you go into the store, you want to breathe it, you want to hear it, you want to smell it, you want to get excited by it. You're right, if you make the effort to go out, you need to be excited. So retailers that exist now have to work harder. You're absolutely right. And we're quite cruel, aren't we now, as shoppers? we'll turn quickly away from mm. something that doesn't give us the experience we want or we expect. It doesn't matter how cheap the clothes are, um, you still want that in-store special experience. Um, and I, that's why I mentioned H&M, because I think they've done a really good job yeah. at continuously pushing themselves. And if you look at all of their brands, you know, and other stories, costs, the merchandising mm -hmm. is tight, um, it, it's very considered, it's mindful, you know, the shops are looking good, they invest in the stores. And this was something River Island used to do um, yeah. all the time, reinvest in the store environment constantly to keep everybody on their toes. You never quite kn knew what you were coming into. So, you know, it is that investment um, that's vital if, if anything's, you know, going to survive. Um, and, and, we're, we're very, very, very vicious as, as consumers now. We just won't put up with anything that's less than best. I think that that questioning by the customer, that going out to find something that isn't online or that you've seen online, but you still want to make the effort to get dressed and go out and look for it. But I think what we're also talking about is fashion as a business, yeah. not just the creativity. You know, the, the clothes can be good, but if there's nothing behind them and no one has any information as a business, it's a bit like, you know, we have on packaging on food now. People do read the packaging on food, but I noticed that labeling has become much more important in the high street. But when I'm shopping in both H&M and Zara, um, I bought a jacket not long ago from Zara. Um, very boring, very plain navy jacket but it's um, guaranteed 45% recycled fibers. Mm. 
and it's been double dyed. It's been double dyed in a dye that isn't abusive to the climate, but to keep it colour fast, they double dipped it. And the information was like, oh, I didn't know that. But I think that imparting information is, has become important. Yes, because there's guilt with buying clothes. There's more guilt now than there was in, in, in my day. We didn't <laughs> understand what, what, we were, what we were doing. Now you're conscious of everything you buy, um, how that's being made, its provenance. You know, I'm always looking at where, where's something being made? Mm. Because if it's been made, you know, thousands of miles away, God, it's been aired in, hasn't it? It's been shipped in. You know, you, you want things that are a bit closer to home, yeah. that haven't had to come that far. So I'm very conscious about where things are made. And I don't know about you, Tony, but I'm really conscious about buying less. So yes. when I do go out, I still get excited. I, I will never lose my excitement over going into the shops or looking online at clothes. I try to subdue it. <laughs> I try to say, I don't need anything else. It's a, and I can't help it. I get excited when I see that colour. If I see a colour and it touches my heart, and for the moment, at the moment for me, it's like pink and tobacco, those two, that combination. And I found it in something, um, Jani, and it's kind of, I'd still get excited. So then I have to find shoes that go with that. And I'm on a mission. Yes. But all the time when I'm on that mission, I'm saying, is this something that I'm going to wear and wear? Am I going to make sure that I'm happy wearing it, wearing it? Does it go with other stuff so I can keep refreshing and renewing? How much other stuff have I bought this month? Should I be? Because I'm conscious that it's just a waste. So I think people are more conscious and they need to be because fashion is such a polluter and, and it's like the elephant in the room, you know, there's no getting away from it. We can try and make it, the manufacturing process is better. We can try and relook like LCF are doing a material science to make sure that, you know, everything that we do is as, you know, is as, as sort of safe for the world as possible. But you can't deny that, you know, we're still buying a lot of clothes and they're still ending up in landfill. So definitely that conscious, more conscious element of shopping has definitely come in. And you're right, the labels, I think I cut four or five labels off a garment the other day telling me where it'd been made, what it was made yeah. of, how to wash it, what it meant, you know, cost, all of those sorts of things. It was just incredible. There must have been four of them. And I think it's a good thing because I think, you know, when... When we look back on the high street, one of the great problems was, and I'm going back, you know, way back, but, you know, in the 80s especially, we were producing such huge quantities of a style and then repeating it in another fabric or repeating it in another colourway. The great thing is that most shops now have far less stock in them, thank goodness. So you were not doing that thing where you actually needed two bouncers to kind of part the rails so you could get to the garment. That, thank goodness, we have also downsized the amount of stock that places are carrying. Correct. And, and for a lot of reasons. And obviously, once the sales volumes go down, you react accordingly as a brand. Um, and I think at the end of the day, there, there was also this not wanting to look the same and be the same as everybody else. Very important, you know, to be able to, within this new social media world, to show that you're the only one with that garment or you're first wearing. Yeah. So the idea of <clears throat> volume is no longer attractive. In fact, it's the opposite. And thank goodness, 
because that helps us, doesn't it, with the sustainability argument. Absolutely. But it also, as you point out, Tony, really helps with the way the stores look. If you have less stock, you can really take care of that product and make sure it's the best that it can be without mm. smashing it and cramming it onto the rails. Um, there's nothing worse than excess. And I think from a personal point of view, people are not, they don't want to be drowned in choice anymore. Our lives are full of choices. You know, it, just take uh, online, you know, Netflix or something like that. It's not easy anymore, is it, to choose a film? Oh. <laughs> How long does it take? What am so, I going to watch? Okay, exactly. <laughs> 15 so, minutes it, later, you haven't started watching anything because you haven't made your mind up yet. <laughs> exactly. So we're swamped with choice. The last thing in the world you want is to go out into a store and be swamped because it becomes a burden. But if you can shop in an edited and curated format where colors are clear and trends are clear, all of a sudden it's a gift and it's a relief and it's a joy, is it not? And you can see the bit of jewelry that you want to wear this and the shoe, and it just becomes contained and calm and just so much more exciting, so much more exciting. And We've got a big flagship Zara here in Palma. Um, on I think it's four floors yeah. and partially because during the pandemic they emptied part of the space out mm -hmm. but they haven't gone back to it they've kept it much much more open and last no 18 months ago the sale lasted a very short time because they didn't have mountains of stock in and they've kept to that so instead of sales dragging on and on and on. We have a second branch here, which is our, in our equivalent of Oxford Street. What they do is with the flagship store, after a while, they take the, the last bit of the sale out of there and move it to the other shop. And only that shop has any sale in it. So also by cutting down the length of time sales run, clearly they're not having to mark as much product down. So from the business point of view, it makes sense. It's perfect. You know, you, you, you maintain the integrity of your margin um, because sale is the biggest, you know, mm. kind of gobble, gobbles up profit like nothing before. So the reduction in volume is a godsend um, to these brands, you know, that, that double handling of stock. And then if you can keep your, the integrity of your product ranges looking mm. good by moving that sort of superfluous last of lines, you know, odd odd sizes out of the main range, then you can keep it looking fresh and keep it looking good. It's much more attractive to a shopper, much more attractive, you know, much more attractive. And I think that also what that means as well is that you're not trying to maneuver stock round with huge stock rooms behind the scenes, yeah. full of stuff hanging there that's actually not making you any money. That's, that's just right. sitting there waiting for the shop floor to kind of ease up a bit that, you know, I remember again going back, you know, in the old days at BHS, we had nearly as much hanging behind the scenes as we did on the shop floor. Yes, a different world and a different life. You know, the speed of life nowadays just doesn't, it, it just doesn't add up to those huge stock rooms. You know, it's not what shopping is about. You might need you know sizes and stock in black knickers and, th and things like that or you know a black polar neck or a black crew neck or some sort of what you call 
is stylish sort of you know basic garments yeah, yeah. You, you need good size proportions and and you know good quality the sort of uniqlo type items that you that people have and and wear across multiple outfits that's really important to have volumes in those areas but the fashion yeah. pieces absolutely not and and you're right stock rooms full of stock just sat there waiting to come out onto the floor no it, it's just quite old-fashioned isn't it in, it, in its concept it, it is. And I think that idea that when you look through the rail, the day something is delivered, you've got two to three of each size. But actually, that's all there is. And if you yeah. don't buy it, then there isn't a, a, a stop. You can't say to the assistant, oh, have you got another size 12? And she says, well, I'm sorry, we have three and they've all gone. Yeah. You think, well, next time they have a size 12 in something I like, I'm going to buy it now. Which, exactly. again, from the business point of view, I think keeps, I think retail needs to turn over. It needs to have that, that yeah. movement. Um, yeah. And I think we're, we've learned a lot more in a way over the last few years about how new retail works as opposed to old retail. Would you agree? Absolutely. All forced through two things for me, really, the online model where you know that just the availability of stock and the way that you can just jump on things and you know it's it's we don't need place anymore although there's an argument that says actually from a fashion point of view you always need to feel it touch it and see it so there'll always be a place for shops but just not as many as we used to have tony that's the key thing isn't it for us um so i think i think you're right and almost the high streets borrowed the model from luxury hasn't it yeah. where you would only get one or two and do you remember when the new when the new season happened you'd be on it the thing that you wanted you knew what you wanted and you would have to jump on it otherwise it wouldn't be available and we we we, we manage like that in luxury but from a sort of a high street point of view um that's not the way we shopped was it it, it but it is now you know you've got to jump on things I think the funny thing is, and we'll finish with this, I think the funny thing is that when boutiques very first started, like Bieber and Bus Stop, they had very little stock. Yeah. It was the next stage after that, because with Bieber, it was very often all there was was what was out because she bought some end of range fabric. Yes. Because back, even back in those days, she was buying dead stock. To make things from or re-dying stuff but I think we've gone back actually to what the high street was yes. when it started in lots of ways. Absolutely, you've gone full circle, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, let's end that bit there.